This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello, welcome to Go! Yeah, super fast episode. I'm Tyler, your master of balls and holes. That's Mark. Mark. Yep, it's me. Yeah. I got the jacuzzi. Here we go. The Finnish people have had enough of Perkel. Wait, are they tired of their own sport? I don't know. This is what it says. (laughs) Hello, Tyler. We Finns have had enough. I was listening to your podcast and heard something that finally made us, all of Finland, want to speak out. A fellow Finnish person sharing their culture with the sport of pace apollo and what i hear is mockery how confusing it is and how dumb the field looks we Finns are quiet people and we don't want to get involved in most things but this quote spit on the face cannot go unanswered pace apollo yes it's quite confusing at first to look at but once learned it is fascinating to see how the game is far more strategic than your simple american baseball for example there's a position in the sport called the joker who's basically like your wild card in your team who pitching can come and pitch whenever he or she wants. So once you have one ball thrown at you, then you run forward and you throw another one. <laughs> yeah, it's like Blurn's ball in Futurama. Another example is that there are no home runs, so you don't get to hit the ball hard like you American do it. <laughs> <laughs> Final example that each base is farther from the previous base than before, but we Finnish people are forgiving people and we will be waiting for your response. Look, true excitement five one twenty eight. You didn't make a good case. <laughs> I mean, first of all, first of all, we never said it uh-huh. was dumb. We said it was yeah. weird and unusual for what we were looking at. Secondly, the jacuzzi that came in to bring up the sport in the first place was like, "This is better than baseball," and then undersold the sport. Yeah. So, and then they came in and <laughs> undersold it again. <laughs> Look, we didn't say a thing. We never We're said it was bad. Here. I, in fact, it was put on my primer list for the future. But uh-huh. like, what you think is us insulting it is not insulting it. We were looking at it, trying to understand, and I just thought the field was fascinating, looked weird. We even came up with an explanation for why it might be the case as to why they designed the field that way. And more you come in, and it's like. You quit insulting us. Let's insult baseball more. Like, you're already, like, (laughs) calling baseball out, being like, we don't just hit ball hard, blah, blah, blah. I know, right? So you're coming in and insulting another sport, complaining about us insulting your sport when we, I didn't feel like we insulted it. We didn't insult anything. We didn't do anything. Yeah, we're just making an observation. (laughs) Like You named it 
Pace Apollo. Did I mispronounce it? No, I'm talking to them. Oh, Finland. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I, I, anyway, it's uh, we didn't say anything. Yeah, we didn't say anything. So uh, this next one is from Alligator. Why having two studios when you're not going to use any? Back in earlier video episodes, you used to talk shit about how the host from distractible or unnamed rival podcast being lazy making lazy video call instead of properly meeting in person like gmfst you used to say gmfst is better than them video format has been announced since march how many in-studio episodes we got by far less than five and those were from another studio now we know gmfst has two studios and yet you use none. Tyler sitting there alone by himself doesn't count, not to mention the butler chauffeur videos we have faithful listeners never got to see. Sir, what the fuck? What's the problem? Huh? You said LA traffic is no longer inconvenient since you both have a jetpack, a roller skater, e-bike, or hoverboard, or whatever it is called. Get your ass up, reschedule, do whatever. I was so excited to see the studio you said you had been working on. It's been almost a year, sir. Not even a single studio tour video. What about the customized studio table you're so proud of? Are we allowed to see that yet? <laughs> Please do something. I swear to God, if you're still ignoring this, I'll probably keep listening crying a corner. So let's analyze this message. <laughs> Announced since March. What happened in March? <laughs> I feel like there was a movie that started being filmed. Oh, yeah. Couldn't have been since February. <laughs> I was in Texas filming. Um, and it couldn't have also been that in the few times that we have been in the other studio making content there, recording videos there, uh, that was for guest episodes and not our studio. That was a Spotify studio. Yep. Um, but also it's been... I've... Have you even seen me uploading big videos regularly? <laughs> literally the entire time you've answered your own question because I I have literally not had enough time. This Today I'm like sprinting around with my head cut off because I'm trying to get ready for pickups while trying to keep up with videos. And then I have to sprint in here and be like, I don't have time to drive even 10 minutes down the road because I have to drive back. Or if I ride my bike... It takes longer. So how dare you? That's no, fine. It's fair. Whatever. Also, we don't owe you a studio tour. No, no, don't be. Don't be mean. Uh, we don't owe you anything. Okay, all right. Be mean. <laughs> we make content for everyone to enjoy, and we've been busting making content for a while, and um, we like sharing it with you. And it's unfortunate that time has not allowed us to do this, but um, we'll get to it eventually. We we promise. Oh, yes. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know, all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you. They're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them. Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow 
grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sports team. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com slash sports team. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Spectrum Business works with small businesses nationwide, so we know that running your own business means doing it all. Marketing, sales, inventory, customer service, and more. Spectrum One for Business helps you keep it all connected for just $49.99 a month. Get fast, reliable internet, advanced Wi-Fi with security shield, and a free mobile line for one low price. Stay connected and do it all with Spectrum One for Business. Only $49.99 a month. Go to spectrum.com slash business to learn more. Restrictions apply. Service is not available in all areas. But anyway, end of the episode because Mark has limited yes. time. Act one, the Romans. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark, tell me how the Romans started Formula One race car driving. Monsieur Maserati <laughs> of ancient Roman times decided to expand upon the idea of the wheel. And so the wheel... Uh, is integral to Formula One. Formula One chariot races that existed in the ancient times of the Roman Empire and the Colosseum in which they went around bank turns and racetracks and carved into each other's open-wheeled... Technically, it is an open-wheeled vehicle. So there you go, Formula One. Now that I'm thinking about it, would would that have been one of the first, like, entertainment races? I think like so. Like in the Colosseum? Because they did do... Chariots. I'm not saying it was all about races. You know, there was there was more stuff going on there. But they did a lot of showmanship. You know, they flooded it for boat battles and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure they just did everything in there. So Yeah. Yeah, that would have been one of their earliest, like, communal races. It's true. Huh. So the foundations of motorsport with horsepower dates back to the ancient Romans. Oh, there was a fascinating TikTok that I saw that talked about the basis with which rail is defined. So a rail, it is a standard width. It's some weird number, like 4.65 feet. Oh, yeah. That traces all the way back to like old road standards from the England days with uh, wheel width for carriages. Yep. And that it was defined by literally two horse widths apart. Yep. And so that just kept go being the standard width for roads since like 1500 years ago. So the standard width of a rails to rails for trains even today is defined by two horses asses. How wide two horses are, that's what defines rails today and horses asses can vary but the rail is very specific because it was defined by specifically two horses asses Mm. one was rail the other was road both of them together were railroad there you go that part's not true (laughs) it is in my mind Mm, that's i always use that as my defense and you never allow it 
Well, we're allowing it today because it's a super fast episode. Mark, we had Samantha Tan, race car driver extraordinaire on the episode. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember talking about race cars and how motorsport yes. exists? Do you remember hearing yes. about how athletic drivers need to be? Yes. The G-forces they endure, the amount of pressure they have to push down on the brake pedal. Well, yes. In Formula One, a race car driver undergoes like five to six G's on turns. They stop a car from 200 kilometers an hour to a complete stop in about 2.9 seconds and using only 65 meters. And they do this by having to push the brake pedal with more than 150 kilograms of force in order to engage the braking system and stop quickly. Damn. So, Formula One drivers, crazy athletic. Additionally, they have to weigh 80 kilograms minimum, which is like 180 pounds, roughly. Otherwise, they have to add weight to their car to meet specifications. All right. But Formula One this year is coming to Vegas. But don't jockeys, is there no minimum for jockeys, like riding horses, though? Jockeys, the lighter you are, the better. I don't know if there's a minimum weight for, like, horse jockeys. Huh. Horse jockey minimum Jockeys must be at least 16 years old. No set height or weight requirement. Um, but the majority of jockeys do not weigh more than 125 pounds. Many, even less. Well, there you have it. But in Formula One, the shortest driver currently is five foot six, and the two tallest drivers are six foot one. They're my height. So they tend to be pretty small. All right, there you have it. But anyway, Formula One is coming to Vegas. And man, is it exciting. They're going to be driving down the famous strip. Hotel views are going to be in existence. VIP, there's a whole bunch of big names coming out for it. Um, Cirque du Soleil is going to perform and stuff. They have transformed Vegas for this race. And I wanted to be able to show you the track that is going to be coming. Okay. And so this is the Formula One track. Okay. So this is Las Vegas. You can see there's there's a, two long straights mm. in particular. Even this one is like they can still maintain speed through this bend before they hit this sharp turn. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the faster tracks that's going to be out there for this year's circuit. It's 6.2 kilometers, 6.201, and they have to complete 50 laps for a total distance of 310 kilometers. Okay. Obviously, this is a new track, so there's no track record or anything currently. But this is Las Vegas. This is what people are going to be racing on. Fast speeds, high paced, a whole bunch of chaos. Fair enough. For everyone who was not watching, it looked like a circle with some bends. It was quite bendy with two long straightaways opposite each other that run kind of parallel. And 301 kilometers total. 310. 10. That's 50 laps of it, which is 6.2 kilometers per lap. Nice. Well, with recent rise in popularity, more people than ever are tuning in to Formula One racing. It is the pinnacle. It's the top. It's the master class of race car driving. It is the most expensive. It requires the most skill. It goes the fastest, and it endures the most G-forces and downforces. The engineering feats on these cars and everything surrounding them is insane. Additionally, the pit crews are insane. They work as a team. Formula One and race car driving is very much a team sport. While the race car driver is in the car, they have a team uh, leader who's communicating to them what's going on in the track, if there's wrecks, when they're going to pit, what other teams are doing, upcoming weather conditions, talking about how the car feels, 
communicating back and forth for minor adjustments they make throughout the track, telling them when they want to push the car to whether they are wanting to hold back of wearing down the tires to pushing the tires more to their limit, the heat of the tires. There are so many specifications that go into a Formula One driver's decisions and the team's decisions as they go through the track at high speeds. This year, the Las Vegas Grand Prix takes place on November 16th through 18th on the brand new 3.8 mile long track. Waves through all of the iconic Las Vegas landmarks that they wanted to and that they could fit to make the track. While in 2023, there are 23 races across the globe from Australia to Saudi Arabia to Austria and everywhere in between, it is considered the most elite race car driving level in the world with Formula One with only 10 teams two drivers each, so only 20 drivers are able to compete at the Formula One level each year. Damn. Is Samantha going to be there? Uh, probably. She'll probably be there unless she has a race somewhere else for her GT class. Gotcha. But I don't know. We, I'd have to message her and ask. How fast? How fast do these cars go? Yeah. Over 200 miles per hour. Okay, not that fast. Well, you got, you got to imagine they got to slow down and turn. No, no, no. Pathetic. Top speed, 220 miles per hour. Put that in perspective. In perspective? Yeah, give me perspective. Formula One speed perspective. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that'll get you a real good result. I've got it. How fast is a horse? How fast is a horse? (laughs) A horse goes 44 miles per hour at max speed. A gallop. Or 30 miles per hour at max speed. All right, a bullet goes 1,700 miles per hour. (laughs) So it's not as fast as a bullet. All right, here we go. I got some comparisons. A commercial airliner takes off at speeds of 150 to 180 miles an hour. These cars are going up to 50 miles an hour faster than that, or 50 to 80 miles an hour faster than that. Usain Bolt's top speed is 27 miles an hour. Oh man, he's almost as fast as a horse. A cheetah can run up to speeds of 58 to 64 miles per hour, so Formula One cars are up to four times faster than that. Four times faster than a cheetah. Hang on, I got a better one. Okay, okay. So a Formula One car is... No, that's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So a Formula One car is 16.43 times faster than the average bicycle. It's (laughs) 7.67 times faster than a domestic cat. It's (laughs) 1.44 times faster than a golf ball at impact. 5.11 times faster than a greyhound dog. Two and a half times faster than the fastest skateboarder to ever go <laughs> at 91 miles an hour, which is apparently very fast. Holy heck, did he lay down like a street luge? I don't know, apparently. It's almost twice as fast as a skydiver in free fall. It's 3.38 times faster than a sailfish, which is apparently 68 <laughs> miles an hour. Holy crap. Did you crap. find like a speed comparison website to just nah, type in? No, I asked ChadGPT. Uh, I just had to ask it in the right way because it gave me the opposite inverse. So it was like a bicycle is 0.06 times as fast as a Formula One car. But also, it's 2.3 times faster than the average fastball. It's uh, 0.77 times as fast as a modern compound bow. Oh, wow. It's 0.16 times fast as a bullet. It's 0.22 
times faster than the Earth's rotation around the equator. It's 0.0092 the speed of the escape velocity of Earth. And it's essentially zero times as fast as the speed of light. But I don't know if that's helpful. It's fast enough that in theory it could drive upside down because of the downforce of the wind and the way the, the car is shaped. We talked about this previously. Now I have context. Yes. And so do you, audience. Yes. All right, Mark. Going that fast, you have to make split-second decisions to slow down and turn and navigate through other cars driving equally as fast in your way as you're navigating a track that is only so narrow and with perfect lines to try and maintain speed and navigate through the course. Now imagine, you have to make pit stops to maintain your car. You have to change out your tires to keep them from melting onto the pavement. You need to make sure that they don't pop because those high speeds, when something happens... Yeah, you have a Halo device that is now in, on all Formula One cars to protect your head, but you have fuel that's highly flammable and explosive. You have other cars that are traveling that fast. You could wreck and you could die. The stakes have never been higher in racing. Damn. And these cars are made very weight efficient. Damn. Did you know that a Formula One car goes 67 times faster than a cockroach? <laughs> 15 times faster than a bumblebee. 7,667 times faster than an ant. Act one. <laughs> <laughs> the history of Formula One. Compared to many other sports, Formula One is relatively new. While Romans didn't create the sport of Formula One, they do have historical races that took place in their Coliseum. Okay. The Industrial Revolution in the late 1800s sparked a storm of inventions, things such as light bulb and the first gas-powered automobiles, which soon after a race to make them faster and more efficient was at hand. These early cars ran on a mixture of experimental fuels such as steam, hydrogen, and gasoline, with the first known race of gas-powered cars taking place on July 22, 1894 in Paris. Mm-hmm. 69 cars showed up to compete in the qualifying race. However, nice. only 25 were selected for the official race. Not nice. Unlike today's races, there's usually, uh, which are usually on a specialized track, this race was a 79-mile drive from Paris to Rouen. The first person to finish was Jules Albert Dion. De Dion. Jules Albert De Dion. With an absolutely supersonic average speed of 11 to 12 miles per hour. Wow. Horses run faster. Though his car had modifications that weren't allowed, so Albert Lemaitre was announced the official winner. The first Formula One Grand Prix took place and was the Turin Grand Prix in 1946, which was several racing organizations created a world championship before, the wor before World War II, but obviously due to war, races got paused. Formula One has experimented and improved their cars to be in an effort to be faster year after year and more efficient. As <clears throat> the world changes, so does Formula One. And it has exploded in popularity over the last few years with viewership rising to around 550,000 viewers per race in 2018 to today's 1.4 million viewers per race. Uh-huh. So to race, you have to have a car. And to have a car, usually around $145 million to, uh, per car on the racing teams, you, you need money. $145 million? Per car. Why? That's the minimum they put on it because teams were spending too much money. Why? So that's the max they can put on to spend on a car. 
teams were spending upwards of five hundred million plus dollars at one point on Formula One cars to make Why? them specialized. How could you even spend that much money on a car? It's the amount of research specifically to achieve speed at and weight and figuring out the best build and balance to be able to like every single part of the car specified to exact detail to maximize potential for speed, acceleration, and braking capabilities. Okay. Ferrari had spent $400 million on their cars until uh, up until that point. I mean, it's not going to stop anyone else from like digging up old research or maybe just not saying that they've spent that much, but that's kind of crazy. I mean, the Federal International DL Automobile uh, put the regulation out and they probably follow through and check in on it pretty frequently. Mm. But... I mean, when a car is built to drive up to 230 miles per hour and have to accelerate and brake like these cars do, you want to make sure the driver's safe. So sometimes money is no object. Drivers wear suits that are able to withstand 1500 degree temperatures Fahrenheit and have helmets with a carbon fiber shell designed to protect the driver's head as much as possible in the case of an impact with their fireproof racing suits and such. 80 kilograms of the car weight is required to be from the driver. So if the driver weighs less than 80 kilograms, they add weight to the car. The minimum weight of a Formula One car is 798 kilograms or 1,759 pounds. That being said, the engine must weigh a minimum of 150 kilograms. Fuel has a maximum capacity of 110 kilograms. The front wing is around weighs around 10 kilograms. The halo device that is now implemented weighs 7 kilograms. Gearboxes weigh around 40 kilograms and steering wheels around 1.3 kilograms. So everything is fine-tuned to keep the weight as minimal as possible to have higher weights in other areas in order to maintain above 798 kilograms, but sometimes you want it to be lighter in order to be able to provide easier braking and acceleration. Now, cars are expensive, multi-millions of dollars, so you need a pit crew that's going to be as fast as possible. While you may be stopped for 1.2 seconds or 2.5 seconds, which is the average, the time it takes to go into the pit stop and then get out of it to accelerate back up the speed can change the race when it's determined by fractions of a second. You know what else you could buy for $145 million? Uh, uh, a plane. 1.45 billion ladybugs. You could buy 290 million silkworms, 2.9 billion mealworms, 14.5 billion ants, 5.8 million tarantulas, and 17.72.5 million monarch butterflies. How many? How much food for the human population could you buy? I don't have that comparison, but I do have the comparison of, of uh, the cost of a Formula One car to the entire world's market for edible bugs, which is averaged to be estimated to be about $426 million. So you could buy a third of the world's supply of edible bugs with the cost of one Formula One car. Uh, I'm sure that's a lot of bugs that could feed a lot of people. How much food could $145 million buy? In calories, the amount of food uh, you could buy is you could buy 464 trillion calories of rice. Holy heck. Yeah. 58 trillion calories of bread. You could buy 232 trillion calories of pasta. Okay, wait. What's what is okay? Let's take rice. 464 trillion uh, divided by 2000 average daily, you know just to get a person damn you could if you had 145 million dollars and you only bought rice you would feed yourself 
for 232 billion days. That's like your life. (laughs) So you could feed, okay, let's say 8 million, 232 divided by 8. You could feed the world population if you were just buying rice. The world population on a 2,000 calorie diet for a month. You could feed the world for a month. 2,000 calories of rice. If it was just in rice, you could feed the world for a month with one Formula One car. Jeez. Come on, Ferrari. Why aren't you feeding the world? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so Formula One, while they have high specifications on the cars, including the weight and capacity that they have to go through, the tracks also have an insane rule book with hundreds of pages long regulations covering everything from dimensions of the track to what's even in the first aid kits. But... Here are some small points. Track needs to be at least 3.5 kilometers long, but not more than 7 kilometers, and each race at least 305 kilometers total. So the number of laps uh, the drivers do depend on the length of the track, and it's usually anywhere between 44 to 78 laps. Each track needs to be at least 12 meters wide at all points, and the starting area being 15 meters wide so that you have more room for people to navigate and work on the sidelines, especially for pulling in the cars and stuff like that. It's a lot easier to navigate. The first turn of the race has to be 45 degrees and should be at least 250 meters from the starting line. The shape, there's no rules on the shape. They can be anything you want, but there needs to be a pit lane for cars to safely enter and exit without risking crashing when rejoining the race. Yeah. And the straight sections can't be more than two kilometers Um, And that's so that you can't have it just be a super, super long straightaway and then have it turn in a super, super long straightaway. Hmm. So before you race, there's actually a race the day before to determine your position at the starting line. And it's difficult to pass cars in a Formula One race. So being able to get a high qualifying time is key uh, as there's 20 total cars on the track and limited space. So that's based, you run the track without anybody on it and you try and get the fastest time. It's basically how you qualify. Then you have compete uh, completing laps. You'll accelerate to 60 miles per hour in over t- in just about 2.6 seconds in a Formula One car. Traveling at over 200 miles per hour on a straightaway, you have to balance those speeds, those turns, and also be able to handle the significant G-forces on your neck as you make those turns while making split-second decisions using your muscles because there's not a lot of power steering to be able to control the car and maintain your head position to maintain your vision as well. How many Gs? How many Gs does a Formula One car driver go through? An impact of the speed, 
causes the car to decelerate at a force of 26 G's. 20, 26? So at 160 miles per hour, cause an impact at this at this speed. So that was oh, an, impact an impact at 160. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. if you come to a dead stop. Yeah, yeah a dead stop sense. at 160 miles per hour. How many G's do Formula One drivers experience? Six G's. The average Formula One G-force is about six Gs and may depend on the, the track and the circuit that they're in. That's a lot of Gs. So that's six times your normal body weight. Damn. For those of you that don't know what Gs are, it's the, the number of times the force of gravity. So by just existing on Earth, it's one G. Each time it increases to two Gs, that's twice your body weight. That's six times your body weight you are feeling through the G-forces. So six Gs going sideways, if it's just your head that's able to move, six times the weight of your head pushing you in a direction. Mm. So you got to have a strong neck. Yeah. A very strong neck. Yeah, five to six Gs force crushing your body, not to mention the acceleration, deceleration that you'll feel on your body, pushing you forward and pulling you backwards as you accelerate and stop. Maintaining good position you have to be able to pull into a pit and communicate with your pit crew and work quickly with them. The average pit crew is about 2.5 seconds where they're filling your car, putting on new tires, and getting you back on the track. And that's lifting that. Two and a half seconds? Two and a half seconds. Think about how fast that crew needs to work and how coordinated they need to be to be able to get those tires on and off and strapped in and back onto the car and making sure it's safe. How many people in a pit crew? More than 20 people make up the, the pit crew. Woof. Typical uh, Formula One pit crew consists of 12 members for each wheel. Four Jackman. Oh, my God. What is this? 12 members for each wheel. That would be 48 people. Yeah. So a typical makeup of a Formula One pit crew consists of 12, three per corner members of okay, that makes more sense. each wheel. Four Jackman, two for main, and two waiting with a spare front and rear jack. So basically, a lot of people are waiting in the wings in case something fails. You'll see two holding the car for stability and two for any front wing angle changes because they'll adjust the wings as well. So your fins on mm -hmm. the front and the back, they're going to adjust those if there's any pull or any discrepancy depending on how the wind is acting around the track. Yeah. Um, they'll be switching out tires. Now, there are multiple different tires you can have because you have weather tires based on whether the road's wet, dry, and the conditions. But you also have the hardness of the tire. You have soft tires, you have medium tires, and hard tires. Sometimes they're even more in between. But based on how you want to run the race, based on how fast you're going and how hot the pavement is, making sure that you're picking the right tires and putting them on at the right time is key to success as well. So, like, all of this goes into Formula One. Like, the crew, the driver, uh, again, there are going to be two drivers for each team, but they're in separate cars. Oh, really? Yeah, the Red Bull team runs two drivers every race. They're both in separate cars. They have their own pit crew. So each team has $300 million worth of car Yeah. at any given time. Yes. So two months of rice for the whole world per team. It would seem that is true. All right. And then in winning, there are two classifications. There are team classifications for winning, and there are the driver classifications. So when drivers cross the finish line, first place finisher gets 25 points, second 18, third 15 points, all the way down to 10th place, which 10th place receives one point. And then the Formula One driver with the fastest lap gets an additional one point, but that only counts if you finish in the top 10 of the race. Well, that's interesting. Very Mario Kart style. Yeah. 
Which would be the only comparison that I know for like racing getting points is Mario Kart. That's true. I bet you Mario Kart took that from Formula One. No, I bet Mario Kart came up with it first. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'll believe you. (laughs) (laughs) I think Mario controls all, you know? Absolutely. Since there are two drivers per team, there's also a team championship known as the World Constructors Championship. And each team can get a maximum of 44 points per race, basically combining first place and second place and an additional point for fastest lap. These are classified throughout the entire season, and that's how you win as the best driver by scoring the most points throughout the season of Formula One, and then to win as a team is scoring the most points as a team from both drivers throughout the season to then winning the World Constructors' Cup. Mm-hmm. And that's the quickest run through I could possibly do of Formula One. Well, there we have it. So we've put it in perspective um, we, of speed, of G's, of bugs, of food. But did we get to that? soul of it why you would do it all right the soul first of all racing the mechanics the building of a feat of engineering of speed of agility of downforce of aeronautical genius to be able to navigate a track at high speeds carving through the turns just absolutely ebb and flow a thing of beauty the perfect run the perfect car a driver hops into the seat You need to trust him because you're giving him this multi-million dollar engineering feat of genius and putting it in his hands. You're sitting there and you're going faster than any man has ever traveled on this track, on this piece of pavement with open wheels, and you get to see your opposition next to you. The thrill of speed, the exhilaration of experiencing the forces as you turn, knowing the exact detail and the fine-tuned moments. You have to be so precise to get within millimeters of the wall just to get that perfect line, that perfect run. It's a thing of beauty, the roar of the engine, the feeling of the rumbling, and everything is in the palm of your hand. That power, that beauty, that blur in your peripherals while pure focus in the center of your eyes. You navigate and weave between other cars. It's like chess, but at high speed with high stakes. Everything is a part of a team. You work with the engineers to fine-tune it to the exact specifications and details you want. The strength and the ability alone to be able to work this car. You are in one of billions of people because only 20 people get to race in this beautiful sport. You are the pinnacle, open-wheel racing level of race car driving. It is the most rare feat you can achieve just by being a driver in this sport, let alone winning. Sounds like pod racing. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have a pit crew that's insanely athletic. Like there's an article I read that new pit crews are starting to recruit athletes from other sports because they're realizing the athleticism pit crews need to have to be able to move the motor skills to be able to navigate and be able to do things with precision and just be quick and on time and accurate and make sure that the driver is safe in that car and everything's secure in a short amount of time. And then the communication is so important in Formula One between the team lead and the pit crew and getting everything just right. It is truly a feat of engineering. It is a feat of skill. It is a feat of teamwork. So much goes into winning a race other than just the driver's skill. That's a huge proponent. But even the build of the car, the understanding of the weather conditions, Everything technically, as well as strategy, involves in Formula One. Well, you heard it here first from Tyler himself. Formula One, all about feet. Uh, He loves feet. 
talks about feet endlessly. That's what I took away from this. Feet, um, strong feet, engineering feet. But we here at GMFST, we're more about fingers. We're all about the fingers, and you can get a finger of your own at store.gmfst.com. You can even use code FINGER at checkout to get discounts on your finger bundle. Obtain the infinity finger and shun the feet. And you, too, can be the most fingerific person at your sporting event near you. If you buy this bundle and show up with your iFinger Sports decked out GMFST extravaganza that you could wear. Great opportunity. Well, thank you for the speedy run. Uh, I think it was very in the in honor of Formula One. Yeah, I tried to go 220 miles per hour, speed through it, and still give the uh, the spirit of the sport its due diligence. I loved it. But make sure and tune in to Formula One. There's races going on in the U.S. Uh, I think one just happened in Austin, or it's after Vegas. I don't remember exactly when it is. But Formula One, Las Vegas is coming to you very soon. Be sure to tune into it. It's fascinating. Las Vegas is coming to you. You better watch out, everybody. They're coming <laughs> for you, Minnesota. Las Vegas, they're at your doorstep. All right, go check out store.gmfsd.com. Go give us some more jacuzzis on the subreddit. You know where that is. I don't need to say the URL. I'll probably screw it up anyway. And then uh, make sure and watch the episodes on Spotify if you didn't already because there's extra details that you'd miss otherwise. Mm-hmm. Be sure to tune in. And we will see you next week for whatever sports come your way. Bye.